Are we on? All right, I think we're about ready to get started here. I've got that it's a little after 6 o'clock, so we're going to go ahead and get started. Um, Carlton is back here in this back corner uh, with some more chairs, so if we need to put some more chairs, just kind of send them that way, and we'll get them a spot set, set up. So I'm glad that all of you came this evening, and I hope that, uh, hope that you came with a posture of listening, because I'm going to do a lot of the talking, and then uh, as we get to the end of it, I'm going to open it up for some questions and answers. Um, one of the main things that I want us to understand this evening is we're not here to debate the issue at all. That's not what the purpose of this meeting was. I originally called this meeting, uh, or put it on the calendar, back at the end or the middle of, of December because I felt like I needed to have an opportunity to kind of express where I thought the, the United Methodist Church was headed over the next few months as we get into uh, the general conference season. And so I put this on the calendar about the middle of December, and then they kind of dropped a bombshell on me on January the 3rd. Um, I'm sure some of you remember that all of a sudden, all these media outlets began to, to report that the United Methodist Church was splitting. And people asked me, did you know anything about this? And I didn't. Um, I talked to the DS about it, and I said, George, did you know anything about it? He said, well, we got this weird email about two days before they released all this by, through the media. And he said, I really had no idea what was happening either. And so it really appears to me, at least from our DSs down, um, we had no clue that that was really going to come out at that point. We didn't even know what the document said until anyone else did. And so then I had to kind of revamp a little bit of what I was planning to talk about tonight. Um, and so, so I have. Um, <clears throat> but it's still important that we get the information out. And so that's what the purpose of this is, is to get the information out according to what we understand at this point, okay? So let's go ahead and start off with the word of prayer, and then we'll talk a little bit about what I have uh, planned here. So Father God, I thank you that we have an opportunity to meet together this evening, and that as brothers and sisters, that we are interested in the future of our church, that we are interested in what direction we will be heading over the next few months. And so this evening, we just pray that your Holy Spirit will rest here among us, that we will feel your presence and know that you are in control, that you are leading us, that you are guiding us, and that we will listen carefully. We will listen with our ears and our hearts and be willing to, to actually listen with the intent of understanding and not with the intent of responding. So I pray that you be a part of this conversation this evening and help us, Father God, to be the people you call every, every day. And it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. So I wanted to start this evening with just a very, very brief history of the Methodist Church. Um, how many of you people here this evening were born and raised in the Methodist Church? Raise your hand. Okay, that's quite a few of you. How many of you here this evening were actually born and raised into what is known as the United Methodist Church? Yeah, there's a lot fewer hands, aren't there? And there's a reason for that. Before 19, the late 60s, about 68 or so, there was no such thing as the United Methodist Church. Okay? In fact, if you back up and you start looking more and more at our history and kind of dig into some of this thing, you're going to discover that the Methodist movement is known for 
having a lot of splits in it, okay? <clears throat> Methodism actually didn't even start off as a denomination. It started off as a movement within the Anglican church. The uh, early Methodists, they wanted to bring revitalization to their denomination, and so that's what they were doing. And the only reason that the Methodist church actually became a denomination was because of something we call the Revolutionary War. In 1776, our colonies here in the United States broke away from the, the nation of England. And after the United States broke away, when they finally won the war, the Anglican church said, well, we'll show you. We will take all of our priests and bring them back to England. And then you don't have access to baptism or Holy Communion. And they were right. Because as Methodists, we believe those are sacraments and only the priest the only, only the priest can consecrate those elements or baptize someone. So John Wesley at that point felt like he had to do something. And so he sent a man by the name of Thomas Coke over from England. He consecrated him bishop. Charles Wesley got extremely ticked off at his brother and said, you can't do that. And John said, well, watch me, right? <laughs> and he does it. Thomas Coke gets over here and he immediately consecrates another bishop by the, man, uh, by the name of Francis Asbury. And those men began to ordain what we now call elders. I can trace my own ordination back to John Wesley, which I think is really cool because I come from that stream of Methodism. And so it means a lot to us that we do have this history. But if you look at the Methodist movement, they have all this stuff that takes place. The Methodist movement, the Methodist church, it became known as the Methodist Episcopal Church it is the first American denomination. We be even the Southern Baptists. We are America's <laughs> denomination. We're the very first one. In fact, our bishops went and congratulated George Washington on his victory as our first president. Well, as they began to work together on some things, it became kind of clear that there were some issues even back then. And so slowly, this Methodist Episcopal Church began to kind of break off. And so we had a group of people called the Free Methodists, and they, they broke off over the issue of slavery and selling pews. Then we had another group of people who broke off, and they became known as the Wesleyan Church. And then we had another group of people who broke off, and they became known as the African Methodist Episcopal Church. And we have another group of people who broke off, and initially they were called the Colored Methodist Church, and then they changed it later to, I think, Christian Methodist Church, but that's what they became. Well, eventually, something called slavery busted the Methodist Episcopal Church into two factions. Very, very similar to what we're seeing today. Uh, that basically what happened was an ele a bishop was elected. Uh, his, he later got married after he was made bishop. His wife had slaves. It was against our polity, against our rules. You could not own slaves and be a leader in the church. And he said, well, I'm not the one who has the slaves. It's my wife's property. They're not mine. Splitting hairs, right? That's what Methodists do best. <laughs> and so instead of actually going ahead and, and selling the slaves or freeing the slaves or whatever they needed to do, he kept them. And so it caused a huge rift in the Methodist Episcopal Church. And eventually in about 1850 or so, the Methodist Episcopal Church split. And so it became the Methodist Episcopal Church North and the Methodist Episcopal Church South. That those two denominations 
were pretty well lined up across the United States like the North and the South were. They did continue to cooperate on some things, though, like the hymnal and a few other missionary opportunities, and they continued to work side by side. The Civil War took place. We know what happened through all of that. And then in about 1930s, we started the discussions and said, you know, this is kind of silly. This is really kind of silly. The thing that divided us is not dividing us any longer. Why don't we reunify? And so they started talking, and so they did. And so basically what happened was there's this group of people called the Methodist Episcopal Church North and the Methodist Episcopal Church South. But there was one other group that had broken off somewhere along the way, and they were called the Methodist Protestant Church. And so all three groups decided they were going to join back together into one denomination. And so in order to do that, they dropped part of our name. They dropped the Episcopal part of our name, and they became known as the Methodist Church. How many of you were a part of the Methodist Church? Raise your hand. So that was the church before we added the United. So we go along from the 1930s until we get to that 1968 point, and that's when two denominations decided they were going to join together, the Methodist Church and the, Evangel- the United Brethren Church. And so it was the united part and the Methodist part that were joined to form what we now call the United Methodist Church. Now, there have been people who have argued that we have not been a united church since day one. And I have a tendency to agree with them. We haven't. We have been a group of people who have lived together. We've had a fairly big umbrella, as they like to say. And so we have this fairly large umbrella that has pretty well kept us together since the late 60s until now. So we have been talking about this issue of homosexuality since about the 1970s. So over 40 years, we have been having this discussion. And over the years, we've gone a little bit to the left, and then we'll move a little bit to the right, and then we'll move to the left, and then we'll move to the right. And we kind of ebb and flow a lot like our nation has ebbed and flowed over the years. You can see that through the election of different presidents. Sometimes we have a Democrat, sometimes we have a Republican. Now, one thing, and this is just an aside, one thing that kind of bothers me about the fact that we are having this discussion today is historically, the Methodist movement has predicted what's going to happen nationally. We were for this formational church. We split over the same thing that splits our nation. But then we come back together, and it takes, you know, another... 20 years or so, but then our nation begins to slowly heal from the racial injustices that they had. The Methodist Church was a major mover and shaker in that because we realized we needed to do this together and that what the Methodist Church South was doing was not right. And so we have seen this as a predictor of happening, so it scares me a little bit to think that perhaps what we're seeing take place in our denomination could be predicting what happens to our nation as a whole. I pray that that's not true this time. Anyway, we move all this stuff forward to 2016. and So this is how we got here tonight. Uh, General Conference 2016. um, General Conference, I've never been, and I never want to (laughs) go. People have talked to me about being a delegate. I was foolish enough one year to kind of throw my hat in the ring, and then I thought, you are so stupid. (laughs) I pulled it back out, and I I really have no 
I don't want to go because I don't want to see people at their worst. And that's what I think happens at General Conference. But anyway, 2016 General Conference, they were moving along. It's about a two-week affair. They have tons and tons of paperwork, and there's all these speeches and all this sort of thing. And if you know me very well, you know that I despise the Robert who wrote his rules of order. I can't stand them, mainly because most people don't know how they work. And secondly, they're stupid. (laughs) Just going to put it out there. But people who know Robert's Rules of Order better than I know Robert's Rules of Order, they know how to stymie things. They keep things from moving along. And both sides have done this. They, they throw stuff out there, and they do all sorts of things, and they call the question, and I don't even know what all the terms are. But anyway, they finally get to the point that they keep business from happening. And so basically, the United Methodist Church spends a lot of money for two weeks, and nothing takes place, or very little actually happens. But at 2016... I think we were beginning to really feel this tension building at that general conference. And so it was at that general conference that finally a person got up and said, you know what, we expect our bishops to lead us. We want you bishops to do something about this, lead us through this. And basically, from my understanding, they they threw this proposal out there that they wanted the bishops to to find a way to split this church. And so they were giving them, they gave them the opportunity to do this. They gave them permission to do this. So the bishops met and they began to talk about things. But I'm going to be very, very careful here because I don't want to badmouth anyone. But I have very little confidence in our bishops at this point, folks. I really do. The bishops got together and they didn't do what they were asked by General Conference. They came up with something that they called the way forward. And I'm sure you all have heard about that and talked about it. And the way forward was not at all what General Conference was asking them to do. But that's what they came up with. And that led us to General Conference of 2019, a special call General Conference. And I'm sure you all know it was a huge disaster. The conservatives went in... And they passed a lot of stuff. And some of it was, quite honestly, punitive. The liberal side of the church, when they realized they had lost the day, they decided that instead of saying, you know what, we can see the handwriting on the wall, it's time to move on, they dug their heels in. And from what I understand, the what took place at that general conference made everyone feel icky and gross, and they left their upset and angry and hurt. And this is on both sides. It's not just a one-sided issue. So as they left there, um, what we began to see is more and more and more annual conferences and churches and clergy and bishops begin to say, we don't care what the Book of Discipline says. We don't care what it says. We're going to do what we are going to do. And you can't stop us. And the reality is they were right. What are you going to do? Now, the thing is, the book of discipline is not our scripture. It never has been. There are ways of changing the book of discipline, most of it. There are parts of the discipline that you can't change, but there are most of it you can change, and there are ways of doing that. It's sometimes very difficult to make those changes, but it is doable. But when it comes right down to it, if the the people who have taken vows, like I have taken a vow that I will uphold the United Methodist Book of Discipline, if they refuse to do what they have vowed to do, then we are in a mess. And so that's where we currently are. Um, 
whether you agree with them or not, that is certainly your opinion. Um, we can talk about how some laws were made to be broken or the only way to break laws is by doing different things. I'm not here to argue with you about that. I'm just telling you what has happened. And so after 2019, it became very clear that the United Methodist Church could not continue along. I think everyone's tired. I know I'm tired. I've told several of you, I'm to the point, I don't care about the denomination anymore. I don't. I don't care about the United Methodist Church. And I hate to say that because I chose this church. I wasn't born into it like a lot of you were. I chose it for a lot of reasons. Thank you. He, he's supposed to tell me something if I get emotional. So go right ahead. All right. Dry it up. <laughs> um, anyway, so we had these proposals. There were a lot of proposals, and, and I did not make a copy of all these for you because... There's a reason for it. If any of you are interested, I do have some copies up here. I had made these anticipating us talking about these four proposals. But they, basically, they came up with four general proposals about how to, to move forward as a denomination. And they were all anticipating a split. Um, it looked to me like going into the end of the year of 2019 that one that was called the Indianapolis Plan was probably the one that was going to pass. Um, but there was another one called New Expressions. Uh, one was called The Next Generation, and one was called Re U.S. Regional Conferences. Those are the official proposals that General Conference in 2020 can look at at this point. But those are not going to be the ones that pass. They're not the ones that really matter at this point. As I said, you are welcome to take a copy. If I run out, I can make you more copies. You can go on the web, on the web page and look at them. As far as I know, they're still up. But as far as I'm concerned, as far as uh, most people that I have talked to are concerned, these proposals are absolute garbage at this point. Um, and so we had those proposals. And then in, on January 3rd, we got this other thing that came down the pike. And that's what we're really here to talk about tonight. I have made several copies of this. And I'm going to ask a couple of staff people if they don't mind coming up and Grabbing these. Some of you may already have a copy of this. Um, if you do, please don't take one until uh, maybe some of these others are, and y'all can hand them out and let, let other folks help pass them. But this is the main protocol that we're talking about tonight. Um, it's really got a, a strange name to it. It's called the Protocol of Reconciliation and Grace Through Separation. Um, And I, did, I, make a, I made a hundred copies of them. If you have a copy of this already, I would really appreciate if you didn't maybe take one just yet. And maybe if you're married, if y'all could maybe take one copy and share it. Um, I don't want to have to print off a whole lot more. I will, we'll print whatever we need to, but I just hate to print off a whole bunch if we don't need to. Carissa, there's a few up here, I think, on the front. Does anyone have any? I think, David, do you still have some? 
Up here on this front, kind of center, there's a couple back here. Hope still has a couple if anyone needs one. Okay. They're in the back, Hope. Nate needs one. But this is what we're calling this, or what it's kind of become uh, called, is just the protocol. Um, I'm not going to sit here and read it word for word to you. I'm just going to talk a little bit about what it says. Basically, what what they're saying is that we can't agree anymore. We're tired of fighting. We're tired of fussing with each other. We're not doing the ministry that we feel like we're called to do. And so... Um, we've got to do something about this. And so what happened was several different people on, and there's basically three streams of people in the, in the United Methodist Church as of right now. We have what we call the more conservative group of people, and then we have what we call a more progressive group of people, and then we have a group of people called centrist, and they say that they're right there in the middle. Um, <clears throat> I'm not sure I've ever met a completely central centrist, I think that there's a lot of people who identify as a centrist, but yet they still kind of identify either to the more conservative side or more to the, to the progressive side. But regardless of that, the, the key leaders from all three streams came together and they sat down with a big wig attorney guy. He donated his time and they came up with this um, protocol to, to present to the church. Now, I hope you hear me, first of all, that this protocol cannot be considered as of right now. Um, There's a lot of things that need to take place. Uh, Part of what needs to happen is somebody or at least one or two annual conferences need to call a special annual conference so they can present this to general conference. Um, They can take this protocol and if they get enough votes, they can bring it to the general conference. Most of the time, I would tell you that's an impossibility because you have to have a lot of votes to get something like this to get on the table of general conference. But with this particular document, the votes are there. I firmly believe that this will be presented at general conference. So it says that we can't continue along on this pathway. It was brought together by a group of people who um, are all, all three streams. And so they bring this to us. And basically what it says... Basically what it says is that because we can't seem to get along anywhere anymore, the, the, what we need to do is, is separate. We essentially need to get a divorce. And through the divorce proceedings, this, this is kind of what's going to take place. The more progressive side of the church will keep the name. They get to keep our family name, United Methodist. Um, But because of that, they're saying, the more progressive side is saying, well, we get to keep the name, but if you choose to leave and join the more conservative denomination, we will let you keep your property, which has always been a major problem in the Methodist church. Um, Most of you probably know this, some of you may not, but we don't own a thing at Aldersgate. The local church owns nothing We hold all of this property, we hold this building and any property that we have, we hold it for the United Methodist Church. 
And so historically speaking, if we at Aldersgate said, we don't want to be United Methodist anymore, we want to leave the denomination, they'd say, fine, leave, but all that stuff is ours. And then we would have a big legal proceeding, and after we fought them, we would lose because the courts always side on the side of the denomination. If you ever paid attention to the Presbyterians or the uh, Episcopalians or the Lutherans, you'll see that that was what their court battles were all about, was the local property. And almost exclusively, the local church lost if they left the denomination. They lost all their stuff. So the progressive church told the conservative church, if you, if you leave, if you join this new progressive denomination, you get all your property. So that means every local church that joins the conservative denomination, they receive all of their local property, all their money, everything is now their control. And so that was a big compromise that was made between the two groups. And I believe, that's my personal opinion, but I do believe that's why the, the, the name stays with one group and the other group is willing to let that go. Um, what this also says is that we actually don't have to take a vote at the local church level. Um, Basically, what's going to happen is at some point after General Conference of 2020, if this passes, remember this is an if, if this passes and if it's passed somewhat like it currently is presented to us, because there can be amendments and all kinds of things made to this thing, but if it passes somewhat similar to what we're looking at this evening, um, the annual conference votes. And so we have delegates from, um, from Aldersgate we send uh, delegates. We usually have three, sometimes four, from Aldersgate. Every church in the or in our conference, they send lay delegates, and then every clergy also goes and votes. Now, what you have to understand is, I'm not a member of Aldersgate. I cannot be a member of Aldersgate. My family is, but I'm not. My membership is held with the Northwest Texas Annual Conference, and so whenever I go, I'm not representing, I'm not you, no one is delegating authority to me as a pastor. I have authority because I'm an elder. What you do, though, is you send delegates, and you have delegated your authority to those people to go and vote on your behalf. And so they're going to go up there, and all these people will meet. My best guess is they're not going to take a vote in June. Um, that's whenever our annual conference will be held. I've heard through the Methodist grapevine, of which I am extremely well connected, <laughs> <laughs> that Bishop has instructed our annual conference office to put a secret annual conference date on the uh, conference calendar. Um, that secret conference date will be at some point, I think in August of this year. And basically what my understanding is, is we're going to have annual conference like we normally have annual conference. There may be some discussion on all this. There probably will be unofficial discussion. But nothing will officially come to the floor of annual conference uh, in June. And then when we have, it, then after everything's done, then we can, then he, well, not me, he can call a, special annual conference that will take place probably in Lubbock. And at that point, then the delegates will go back and this will be the only thing they decide. That's what usually happens. Um, so the annual conference gets to vote. And so your delegates from Aldersgate will get to vote. But you have to remember, they're voting as a delegate. They're not representatives. 
And a delegation means that you have given these people your authority. And you did that at charge conference that none of you showed up to. <laughs> Jocelyn, is Jocelyn here? Jocelyn was there. Who else was there? Judy was there. So basically, these two people voted for your delegation. So if you don't like it, then I don't, you should have showed up, you know. Uh, anyway, so they, um, y'all have given them, you have given, you have delegated these people your, your um, authority. And so they're going to go up there and they're going to vote. I also get to vote. I get to vote based off of my authority as a, an elder in the United Methodist Church. Now, historically what has ta taken place with a, a split, most specifically the split between the North and the South, is every local church would pick somehow, I don't know if they did it this way or not, but the local churches did one thing and the clergy do something else. And so it's very possible for me to do one thing and you do something else. We don't have to go the same direction on this vote, okay? But the annual conference will vote. And when the annual conference votes, then the local church has the ability to decide what to do. Now, I can tell you without a shadow of a doubt in my mind, Northwest Texas Annual Conference is a conservative annual conference. They always have been. If any of you have ever been to any, anything to do with the, um, with the annual conference, you know that. Um, whether you like it or not, I can't help it, but I'm just telling you the truth. I know of one more progressive-leaning church in the annual conference, and there may be a couple of others out there that I'm not as familiar with. There's one very vocal progressive church, but the rest of them have historically been pretty conservative. I, I would be absolutely shocked if the annual conference, according to this protocol, if the annual conference did not vote to go with the new conservative denomination. Now, what happens then is every church in that annual conference, including Aldersgate, automatically goes with the new denomination. Now, it's at that point that every church also has the ability to decide whether or not they want to take a vote or not. And what happens then is your church council, um, that's your church leadership, they get to make a decision. First of all, they get to decide, do we take this to the church for a vote? Secondly, they decide what percent has to be passed to leave the new denomination? Because that's basically what you would be deciding. They can either say they will set the bar at 57%, so 57% of Aldersgate would have to say, yes, we want to leave the new denomination for it to pass. Or they can say, well, you have to have at least two-thirds of the congregation approved before you could leave. That's up to church council. Um, that's what it is. I don't, I don't know for sure what church council will do. I've asked them not to make a decision until we had an opportunity to have tonight's meeting and, and let you hear what I'm saying, and then you can go visit with them as you feel called to do so. But um, they, have, they have not said anything at this point. Part of it is there's nothing to decide until this thing gets approved. I mean, that's just kind of where we are. Which is why I think they've put off the annual conference vote till August, so at least we have an opportunity to see what we're voting for. Um, some of the other things that people have asked me about ahead of time, um, they ask about the pension. As most of you or some of you probably know, the, um, the United Methodist Church, for everything we do wrong, 
We have some of the most brilliant people on the planet who manage our pension. And this is for all clergy, but it's also some lay people uh, pay into the pension. And for whatever reason, um, maybe God has blessed it. I don't know. Our pension is huge. And it's worth billions of dollars. I mean literally billions of dollars. And it has grown continuously year after year after year. I've talk, I have personally talked to um, various financial planners about my own retirement. And they say, you'd be crazy if you don't put a bulk of your money into this pension. It is that good. I mean, they're turning down my business so that I can have something that, better than what they can offer me. Um, and so the pension, the way it works is West Path, it used to be called United Methodist Pension, they figured out this a lot sooner than the rest of us. And so they actually formed a different group, and it's called West Path, W-E-S-P-A-T-H. And they take care of all of the benefits for the United Methodist Church. So our pension and our health insurance and all that kind of stuff, they manage it. And what they have done is set themselves up to be able to take care of this for any Methodist denomination that is formed, whether it be the United Methodist Church, a new denomination, or any other Methodist denomination that is formed, they can all continue to use West Path. So as long as I stay within some form of the United Methodist Church or the, some form of the Methodist movement, I can keep my pension. One of the questions that has been asked of me a couple of, by a couple of folks is, well, what about, can, do we have to join a denomination? Do we have to remain a part of a denomination? The answer is no, interestingly enough. The protocol does allow this to take place, but there's a few things that you need to be aware of. One is, the pastor cannot be part of the Methodist denomination anymore either. And so most Methodist pastors don't want to lose their pension. I'm sorry, we're selfish. <laughs> Part of it also is, and I, I reread this today just to make sure because I was wrong initially. If you choose not to join one of the Methodist denominations, you don't get to keep your property. You have to go to litigation. So that's something to keep in mind. Um, I look today... This is, this is why I feel confident that the protocol is going to pass. I look today, and these, this group, the, the next seven groups, and these are the biggest groups in the United Methodist Church today, all of these groups have endorsed the protocol wholeheartedly. The, cons, the Confessing Movement, which is a conservative group of people, the Good News Group, which is a conservative group, Mainstream UMC, which is a centrist group. The Reconciling Ministries Network, which is a progressive group. Uniting Methodist, which is kind of a centrist progressive group. UMC Next, which is a centrist progressive group. And the Wesleyan Covenant, which is, covenant, which is conservative. All seven of those, in addition to a lot of other smaller and lesser ones, have, they've all endorsed the protocol. They have said they will all support this. They're going to encourage all of their people to support it. That's why I think the votes are here, to first of all get it on the table, and secondly to get it passed. Almost everyone is supporting this thing at this point. Now, one thing that I'm, I'm going to let everyone remember as well 
is regardless of what Aldersgate does, things are going to change as far as the understanding of what it means to be a part of that denomination. The United Methodist Church that you know today will not be the same United Methodist Church after, after the protocol is passed. You cannot take approximately half of your people out of any organization and the organization remains the same. It's impossible. So if you love the United Methodist Church the way it is today, it's dying. It will no longer be around. The new denomination, I have read and I have to as much of it, the new doctrines and discipline of it as, as are available at this point. They still need to write some of it. It is not identical to what we currently have. The number one thing that's different is the way pastors are appointed to a church. It has a lot more local control for how you receive a pastor. You actually put together a committee and you interview two or three pastors and you make a list and all that sorts of thing. Uh, DSs are elected very differently. The district submits three names to the bishop and the bishop can only select one of those three names. No more of this good old boy system where I'm going to pick so-and-so because... You know, I went to seminary with him, and he was a very good fellow. I mean, that's not going to happen anymore. The districts have the opportunity to submit names. The other thing, um, which I think is brilliant, if I could pass this for Congress, I would do this as well. <laughs> term limits. Bishops will be have term limits. They, they, can know, they cannot serve longer. I think it was 12 years. I'll have to go back and look. Um, so it's going to be a different denomination. It, it, neither denomination will be the same. It, once the conservatives leave, the United Methodist Church, they can make changes to their book of discipline at that point. If they've been wanting to do something, um, they can and have the ability to do that. I don't know. I haven't seen anything to indicate what they might be looking at. Um, if someone else knows something, you can share that with us. I don't know. Um, as far as we are concerned at Aldersgate, first of all, there will not, in all reality, there will not be a United Methodist Church in Northwest Texas, not, not a denominational affiliation. There will be two or three churches that will go UMC probably. Um, who knows where their conference office will be uh, or who's going to be leading that as far as bishop. Our bishop retires this year, so that's kind of up in the air anyway. Um, the new denomination, I don't know where the annual conference office will be there for that either. I don't think that Northwest Texas can support a bishop on her own. If you, know, if you remember, understand this, we actually are yoked with New Mexico. And so it takes both annual conferences to pay for a bishop. New Mexico, I was there for five years. They will not exist after this. They are split pretty much in half. Um, Eastern New Mexico is very conservative. Northern New Mexico is very progressive. The rest of New Mexico is kind of mixed, um, which is part of the reason I wanted out of there. I, I'm seriously, I didn't want. I, I didn't want to deal with it. I, I just couldn't. I couldn't. I, I couldn't stand to see people fighting with each other. It was painful enough as it was. But regardless. Whatever affiliation we have at Aldersgate will look very different than it does today. And so that's something to consider as you move forward is, is do you want to remain with churches who historically you've been with or do you want to try going with a different set of churches? And we don't know where either annual conference will be or what that looks like.
my job as a pastor through all this is not to tell you what to do. That's not my job at all. You can ask my opinion on things, and you can ask me my stance on things. I'd rather not just get it right out here in the open and, and talk about that with you. If you want to come to my office and visit, I will. I have visited with a lot of you. Some of you come into my office, and I tell you what I believe, and you disagree with me. Some of you come into my office, and I tell you what I believe, and you pretty much agree with me. And so that's fine. So far, everyone who's come into my office, and we've talked about this um, We've left still being friends and loving each other. We have. We have. I mean, they're good conversations, I think. But my job as a pastor is to say it. <laughs> Dry it up. I'm trying. I'm trying. My job is to pass you through this to the best of my ability. Um, I keep saying, I've never done this before. I've never walked a church through any kind of a split. And so I'm just asking for a lot of grace. Um... I don't want to hurt anybody. I don't want to lose anybody. But I also know that y'all need to be free to do what you need to do. And so if Aldersgate goes a direction that you can't go, I can understand that. I really can. And you have my blessing. Because I hope you can go and find a group of people that are as loving as we are. I hope you can find a group of people that can form a community around you the way I have felt here at Aldersgate. Um, because maybe Aldersgate's not going to be the right spot. I don't know. But I do know that I will do my level best to help you through this transition. It's going to be a loss for all of us, regardless of whether you stay or not, because it's not the same denomination. Now, I've talked to a lot of people here, and what I keep hearing over and over is they love Aldersgate. They absolutely love Aldersgate. They love who we are as a community. They love the fact that, that we don't have to agree on every topic that comes down the pike. They, they love the fact that we have all these cornerstone ministries that we go out to, and we make the difference in the lives of people over and over and over. They love the fact that that we can come together at a place like this and be the people that God has raised us up to be. I don't know why. I don't know why Bishop put me here. I, I, it was a shock, and I've told you more than once, I, I'm, it's just a humbling shock for me to be here. I would not want to walk this journey with anybody except Aldersgate. And that, those are true words. No truer words have ever been spoken. But... But I'm not naive enough to believe that every person sitting here tonight is going to finish this journey with us. But I want you to know I am your pastor until you choose that I'm not your pastor. And I'll walk with you and I will do everything I can to help you find the right community of faith. I will help you try to understand what it is we do here. I'll try to help everyone the best of my ability.
Because that's my job. My job is not to tell you how to believe. I never will tell anyone how to believe on any topic, ever. In a sermon or in a Bible study, I will tell you what people believe. I will tell you what I see in Scripture. I will tell you even what I believe, but I'm not going to tell you what to believe. That's not the Methodist way. It never has been. But a pastor's job is to walk a journey with his people. And so I'm going to walk this journey as far as you'll let me walk it with you. And whenever you decide, or if you decide that you're not going to journey with us anymore, then you have my blessing, and I hope you feel the love that I have for you as you transition into where whatever that looks like for you. As far as I can tell, regardless of what happens denominationally, I don't see a lot changing in our local church setting. Um, as of right now, I cannot perform same-sex marriage and we cannot allow them to take place uh, on our property. That's the discipline. For better or worse, I follow rules. Um, if we go with the new denomination, which Aldersgate's going with the new denomination just because of the annual conference. Now, what Aldersgate does after that is a different issue. But the new denomination, from what I'm seeing, same gender marriage still will not be allowed to take place on the on the property, and the pastors are not allowed to perform those marriages. Um, if I had my preference, I would never perform another wedding. <laughs> and Aldersgate would not allow another wedding to take place on the property. <laughs> They're not money-making prop propositions, I promised you. And I hope all of you women hear me very carefully. The mother of the bride can be your biggest nightmare, folks. <laughs> I love y'all, but please cut us some slack. <laughs> My wife will be the mother of four brides, by the way, if, if they all get married. Anyway, um, but that part doesn't change for us. And I know some of you would like that to change. I, I mean, you've told me you would like that to change. I get it, but it's, if we go with the new denomination, it won't change. Um, what won't change, I don't think, is having an opportunity to work with people who differ of their opinion, who still love Jesus and who still want to make a difference in the world and who still want to do the things that they feel called to do. I don't think that's going to change. I don't think our growth groups are going to change. I don't think our Sunday schools are going to I don't think all that is going to happen. I really don't. Um, I think Aldersgate is going to be Aldersgate. So, anyway, I think that's all I really need to say at this point. Um, I've got a couple of staff members who have some handheld microphones. If one of you will kind of get, kind of be at this aisle, and hope if you'll be in this aisle, if you have a question, if you'll kind of raise your hand so that we can see you, speak into the microphone, ask the question, and I will do my very best to answer your question. My first? You're, you're up. Okay. Uh, this progressive movement is mostly coming from the West Coast, as I understand it. Is that correct? Okay, so let me try my best to answer your question. Um, the United Methodist Church is currently in the United States divided up into what's called jurisdictions. Right. And so the Western jurisdiction is the, um, is the place where the openly gay bishop was elected from and historically has been more progressive. But there are progressive 
annual conferences and progressive churches all over the United States. Okay, my question is, what percentage of the total Methodist population would you say is progressive and conservative? Is it 50-50, 20-80? From what I am reading, it is very much 50-50 in the United States. Um, in fact, if you look at the, if you look at the uh, votes that were taken at General Conference of 2019, the only thing that kept it from going a different direction was the African delegation that came over. The African churches have a tip, and I mean churches from Africa, they have a tendency of being very, uh, very conservative. Um, but there was not, the, the numbers were not great on either side. Um, and I'm sure you can find all kinds of data out there to support what you want to believe. But from what I'm seeing, overall, it, we're split about in half. Okay? Other questions? Kind of wave your hand if you have one so that the ladies can see you. <clears throat> My wife's scared to death because she knows I have a big mouth. But that, uh, what, <clears throat> what, I, what I'm going to ask is related to you because I love it that you're here leading us through this. And so my question is whichever way we end up going, I mean, how is that going to affect how long you might be here? Do you get to decide or if we survive this darn thing, whatever? That's a really hard question to answer. Um, so I, part of it, if we go the same direction, if, if Aldersgate and I go the same direction with the same denomination, I don't foresee a big change anytime soon just because they're going to want stability. If Aldersgate and I go two different directions, um, I'm, I'm sure there could be something worked out, but there's, to my knowledge, there's nothing in writing that says that you can stay or not stay. Now, to answer your question, we moved here with the intent of staying in Abilene. We bought a house. We're not planning to move. Y'all are too kind. Y'all are too kind. No, but we did, and so, so I mean, I'm hoping to stay, okay? Um, that's the best I can do. Okay, Scott? All right. Thank you. We got one. Okay. I just want to make sure I understand because okay. I did not grow up in any Methodist church. Me either. <laughs> <laughs> so the book of discipline right now, you said, is really difficult to change. After the split, is it easier or more difficult or the same? I think it'll be easier to, it, it won't be any easier to change because of the votes will still have to be the same, but I think it'll be easier because the people will be more agreeable with what needs to change. Now, one thing to think about, um, and I, Tim and I talked about this the other day, when the, Met, when the United Methodist Church begins to make changes, my guess is there's going to be several other issues that they disagree on. Um, for me, from my perspective, the progressive church has a larger chance of splintering after the split than the more conservative denomination. Now, I could be wrong. I mean, Tim, you can correct me if I misrepresented. <laughs> when you have the microphone. When you have a con when you We talked about this. You can talk. Okay, but that's my best guess. And so 
this, this is an issue that's causing the split, but it's not the only issue that we have as a denomination. And I don't want to get into all of the other issues we have. But the, basically, the centrists and the progressives are going to make up the United Methodist Church, and they don't agree on everything. In fact, I, read an, uh, I was reading on one of their websites, a centrist website today, that was saying, we want this, and then on a more progressive website, they said they want this, and they're not agreeing. And so they, they'll either have to find a way of fixing the discipline to where it lines up with each other, or they're going to end up having a split too. I, I'm, just, I'm just thinking that that's what's going to happen. But I could be wrong. Does that answer your question? You okay? All right. Someone had a question up here. Oh, back here, Betsy. <clears throat> this is kind of on the same route of that. I want to make sure that I'm clear. Okay. Um, so the progressive church will get to keep the United Methodist title. Correct. Will they also then keep the book of discipline? And what you were holding up and discussing as a book of discipline with the changes and how DSs are assigned, that would be going with the new developing conservative um, discipline, I mean, well, that, denomination. That is correct. And so what, so basically the United Methodist Church, which would be the more progressive, the centrist and the progressives are pretty well going together. Um, they will have that book of discipline, but then my understanding, and I could be wrong, but my understanding is this is like the very first thing they're going to vote on. And once they vote on it, then if it passes the way we're anticipating it to pass, then the conservative contingency will leave the room at that point and go to another room, and they will begin forming their own finishing, finalizing their denominational stuff, and then that will free up the progressive side of the church to begin to change the discipline. Now, it's going to take some time because they're not going to be able to tackle every issue they want to tackle at that general conference. Um, it, you know, it may be years and years before they get it all changed up the way they want it to work. But my guess is the very first thing they'll do is pull out what's known as the restrictive language that does not allow us to do the same gender weddings or do the ordinations of openly homosexual people. I think that will be the first thing to change. Okay. And that's what they, they've already started working on it. And that's what this is. And that's why I know about the DSs and the bishops and all that sort of thing. But there are still pretty big chunks of stuff that haven't been released. Um, all, the, all the information I'm seeing is that um, they have a deadline that they have to, I think it's, I think they have to have all their stuff submitted to General Conference by like May the 12th or 15th, somewhere like that, including a full discipline of what they're looking at. Okay, does that clear up? Okay. Yes, ma'am, they do. You're right. You're exactly right. I would not want to be a DS right now. I would not want to be in the conference office. I'm glad I'm in a local church. I really am. <laughs> Uh, Mary has a question, and then Alan has a question. Anyone over here have any? We can. Okay, why don't we get Mary? Well, they may not be able to, though. 
How many weddings do we have every year in Aldersgate? <laughs> Christina says we have one. I don't know. I would say three at the most. Three at the most, usually. The, well, here's, the, here's what has happened. Our culture has changed dramatically as far as weddings go. People don't usually like to get married in a church anymore, especially Methodist churches, because we don't allow you to serve alcohol on church property. <laughs> It is actually, <laughs> which is why I'm glad I don't live in a parsonage anymore. Hey, I live in a parsonage. I can drink anything I want to now. <laughs> Um, but yes, it is. I mean, you can. And so that's one of the things. But the other thing is we have, our culture has shifted to um, wedding venues and things like that. And so most churches, very few churches actually have a lot of weddings anymore. I mean, there's still some, but I'm going to defer to Lisa. She's been here longer than I have. If she says three, I'm going to say we probably average three weddings a year. So that's okay. Mary, your question. Well, mine is a comment. Okay. From what you're saying, it sounds like the conservatives will actually keep most of the discipline as we know it now. No. You don't think so? No. I mean, because the language is going to is going to As far as that same. one little part, it is. But I, we're talking major changes in well, the way we operate. Well, yeah, but I mean, but in the, well... Well, on this one issue, it's going to be pretty well the way it currently is, yes. But on other issues, it will change dramatically. To me, the way you appoint a pastor, that is a huge change for Methodists. Huge change. All right, Alan, you're up, man. Okay, so um, from my research and from what I've seen, the LBGT or the same-sex marriage is kind of just like lost in the weeds. And there are quite a few different theological changes as well from what I'm understanding theological changes where um, kind of in uh, the core beliefs of what the United Methodist Church was founded on or any other Christian church for that matter uh, okay I'm going to be very careful here to answer your question <laughs> from what I have seen um, our, we, have, we, we have 13 United Methodist seminaries that are official seminaries and then we have unofficial seminaries um, the 13 United Methodist seminaries overall have slowly moved more progressive. Um, and as they've done that, we have received more and more ideas that stray away from um, what most of us probably understand. Um, I'll give you a couple of examples. One of them is, uh, it's been several years ago now, um, the United Methodist Church began to tell the clergy not to use Father, Son, and Holy Spirit language anymore. They told us to start using Creator, Redeemer, Sustainer language. Um, I personally have a problem with that, and I know other people don't. But if that's what you're talking about, then yes, that has been taking place. Um, in 2014, um, there was a group of seminary professors, I, I can't remember which one, but they met in Washington, D.C., and they issued a statement that said that um, Jesus was only spiritually resurrected from the dead, not physically resurrected from the dead. Now, whether that get, makes its way into the United Methodist Church, I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen. I don't. I can't predict it. 
I just know that those kinds of things have happened. And so if that's what you're alluding to, that has happened. But you have to remember, on the more conservative side, there has been a push from the extremely right-leaning conservatives not to allow women to be preachers. And so we have far-reaching factions on both sides of this thing, just like we do in our nation today. There are very few people that, or maybe there's a lot of us, we just don't ever say anything, that kind of fall here in the middle, that they want to keep a certain degree of orthodoxy in place or conservatism or whatever, but then we're also willing to listen. And I mean, I tell people all the time, I could be wrong on this topic. I could be wrong on whatever we're talking about, but I don't, I don't see that I am, but I could be. And so I like to have conversations with people on both sides. I, I don't want to just be over here believing one thing, but if that's what you're talking about, that is out there, but I don't know how much of it is at play here. Is that fair enough? Okay. So um, I had a couple questions. First of all, um, do you know of a place where I can like um, learn more about what's been going on? Because I'm not entirely aware of all the context. I know some of the issues and I have my own opinions, but do you know where I can like learn more specifically about what's been going on? There are lots of places. None of them are politically unbiased. So what I... That's how it is everywhere. Yeah, so and so what I would like tell you to do is I would, look, I would Google these groups, and you can kind of get, a, I think, a feel. I would look up United Methodist News Services. They're going to have some reporting. Um, I would look up the uh, Wesleyan Covenant Group. They have done a lot of reporting. I would look up uh, UMC Next. They've done a lot of reporting. Um, Wait, what was the last one? UMC yeah. Next, N-E-X-T, UMC Next. Um, and maybe even mainstream UMC. Those would be the ones I would probably look at closest. Um, if you want to, I think I've given you just one conservative. If you want to look at another conservative, look at Good News. And I think that's uh, two conservative and two uh, more progressive. And then United Methodist News, they typically try to be fairly middle of the road, just try to report. So look at those things and see what you come up with, okay? And, okay, thank you. And uh, one more. Are, after the split, are there going to be, are the churches going to split into more radical and centrist kind of? I mean, there are like moderate and there are radical conservatives and liberals. So is there, are the church going to be split that way as well? Um, the potential is always there. As I said, I, do, I personally believe, and I could be wrong, I do personally believe that the more progressive side of the church has a larger potential of more splits taking place than the more conservative side. But I could be wrong. I mean, I, I, mean, I, I don't know. I don't want to walk a church through this again. I know that. So does that answer your question? That's the best I can do for on that one, Okay. Go ahead, Tim. Um, hey, can I stand up? Is that okay? I won't take too much of your time. Local progressive here, right? <laughs> um, I, I want to speak into the future of Aldersgate. In 2005, whenever Aaron and I came, uh, we said that there were two churches we weren't going to go to, Abilene Bible Church, because I grew up there, and Aldersgate United Methodist Church, because she grew up here, and not because we didn't like the people. We just wanted to forge a path on our own, uh, and it was in the sanctuary that I sat and, um, and, and 200 football players 
from McMurray were behind us, and we started to feel that thing, Alan, remember, <laughs> right here, uh, and, and it was like God was calling us to this church, and we've been here since 2005. Um, when, uh, thank you. Whenever, whenever I think about lines being drawn in the sand in any, uh, on any topic or in any um, theological perspective, my worry is that the fabric of community that has been built into our family because of this place begins to fray. And so as Aldersgate, my hope and my prayer is that when given two options, we would look for the third. When given a, a choice, we would say that, I mean, that's like a false dichotomy. We can be something different than that. Um, and so whenever I think about a community and a schism and a fracture, like my heart breaks for, for us because we're the ones that feel it. You take communion, if you're super conservative, with people who are super progressive every Sunday, even if you don't know it. You take communion and receive the same body and the same blood of Christ as somebody who sees the world completely different from you. And as long as we're able to live in that tension and have those conversations, I feel like we're walking in the way of Jesus. But as soon as we say, you're in, I mean, I'm in and you're out, for whatever reason, um, my fear is that, that we lose being the church with the warm heart, that we lose our witness in this world because people come in here and they're different than you are and we still receive from the same table, right? Um, and so my prayer for all of us is that as we pray and as we think that we would be led by compassion and that we would really think about the implications of what we say and how we say it and, and really lean into who we are as Aldersgate, which is people who walk in the way of Jesus, who don't get everything right, but at the end of the day, we say that our relationship is built on love, um, and that's where we live uh, from. And if you have questions about how I feel about any perspective, I'm happy to sit down with you and share them uh, as well. Thanks. So one of the things, I, I, Tim and I have visited quite a long time the other day, and I told him, I was real honest with him, I said, I didn't want to like you. <laughs> but I do. And I think there's, I think on so many issues, and you can tell me if I'm wrong, but on so many issues, he and I agree probably more than we disagree. But we don't agree on everything. But the rest of it is, when I left our meeting we're still brothers, and we're going to hopefully have another conversation soon. And Aaron, maybe it won't take so long. <laughs> After what? Do we have to drink coffee this time? We don't have to drink coffee. <laughs> okay, Matt, I think you have a question. Oh, okay, sorry. I just saw a hand. It was me. Okay, that's fine. What's going to become of UMCOR? Will it be disbanded? I haven't read anything. It's a great question. I don't. I haven't read anything for sure. Um, a lot of the agencies stick with the United Methodist Church, and part of the way that the separation is um, part of the way the separation is written is there is money available for all of the agencies to operate for. I think it's eight years. Um, 
what it does state is that any, de any denomination that is birthed out of this can continue to support any agency they choose to. Um, interestingly enough, UMCOR is probably like the number one thing that Methodists can agree on. We, we, we have a tendency of loving UMCOR. Um, and so I, I don't know that it's going to look exactly the way it currently does, but I don't foresee it going away either. But I have not read anything that specifically talks about UMCOR, okay? That's the best I can do. Yes, sir. Oh, Reed said he's got it. Can this is just in basis if I have a question. Get on the mic. Stand here and hold this for me. Um, as, we, as we begin the process of parting, some things like UMCOR will remain in place for now. But I think obviously down the road, five years, whatever, there will be a, a, a orthodox uh, UMCOR and there will be a progressive UMCOR. I think those things will begin to separate over time. For the time being, those things will stay in place. So if we get a Katrina, the United Methodist churches will go and help those people. Five years from now or 10 years from now, we'll go and help those people and they will go and help those people, okay? That's what I anticipate. Now, everybody knows I'm one of the traditionalists, conservative, orthodox, whatever, and I'm on the board of my annual conference, WCA. So, so you know, and I've been helping Dustin to keep abreast of what's going on and stuff like that. So, uh, but, but my anticipation is that we will remain united on some things, at least for the time being. But over time, I think there will begin to be separations. Now, I don't know that for sure, and I've not seen anything along that lines. Just a guess. Okay. So I, for now, I think it'll be the way it is. Uh, yes, sir. Yeah, Dustin, I just want to thank you sincerely for just tonight and, and your candidness on, on uh, just all these difficult issues. I know it's not easy to do this. No. And I just want to just say I really appreciate it. Well, thank you. It's, it, it is my pleasure. Um, I, I learned both as a teacher and it was reinforced to me as a pastor that when people don't have the information, they make it up. And 99% of the time, the information they make up is false information. And so the more information I can give to you, the more you are able to see where we are and understand and give an opportunity to ask these questions because it's, it's important. It's very important. And unfortunately, not all churches are doing this, but I felt like we needed to. Other questions that we might have? Loretta. Can you hear me? No. We have to have the microphone. Y'all be glad we're not doing it like at annual conference. At annual conference, you have to stay your name and your church. And if you don't, Bishop yells at you. So go, go ahead with your question. Well, this is to follow the lawyer. But after what I've read, the Presbyterians had a lot of litigation and money after they split. But we're doing, uh, with the conferences are doing things to prevent that in this instance. Is that where you see Correct. it? Correct. The, the protocol is intentionally designed to keep 
the litigation out of the courtroom. That's, but that's what their, that's part of their goal was to try to keep as much litigation out of the secular world and let us handle this in, um, among family. So, Barbara? I keep forgetting to look over here. Somebody, if there's questions, let me know. You here. may have already stated this, but I evidently didn't hear it. The conservative part. Uh, what are we going to? What what will they be called? And the the progressive. You've already said the United Methodist Church. What will the conservative? What be the called? What the protocol states is the yet to be determined name. Okay. Now, from what I understand, the, 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 word, the name United Methodist cannot be used, and the cross and flame cannot be used. It is copyrighted by the United Methodist Church. But that doesn't mean we can't use the name Methodist somewhere. Um, the Wesley Covenant group has been big in this. Uh, we can't call ourselves a Wesleyan church because there's already a Wesleyan church, but maybe, I mean, just some ideas. It may be something like Wesleyan Methodist. It may be... Uh, something along the lines of um, Wesley Covenant Methodist. I don't know. The Methodist name's not off the table, but that is so far out of my ability to decide. We are going to, regardless of what happens, we are called Aldersgate. We are Aldersgate. So, another question? I was just curious. Um, does the hospitals and the colleges, the Methodist Hospital... Are they going to be involved in all of this, too? Yeah, so everything has to be involved at some point. Now, one thing that several of the camps did several years ago was they formed their own um, boards and agencies, and so and part of that was because of insurance reasons. Um, so a lot of the camp, I don't know in, in northwest Texas, I just haven't kept up with it, but, for example, in New Mexico, they have a camp called Sacramento. It's a beautiful place. Um, but they... Um, they actually turned that camp over to their own board of directors a few years ago. So that camp, I don't think, will go with either denomination. Now, I could be wrong. I don't know about the camps in Northwest Texas. I can't speak to them. But like Methodist Hospital, or what used to be Methodist Hospital in um, Lubbock, um, they still have half of their board of directors are Methodists, and the other half are from the Catholic Church. I don't know. I'm assuming they will have to make some sort of a decision. I don't know what they'll do. Um, McMurray, I, I don't know anyone here f have any bead on McMurray. Um, I'm assuming they will. Yeah. I'll just say that it used to be, okay. it used to be that the Northwest Texas Conference and New Mexico Conference, quote, owned McMurray, but at the same time that due to liability reasons, yeah. the Methodist Church decided to spin off the hospitals and all that right. sort of stuff. They also did that with all the schools. So right now, McMurray is affiliated with the, the Northwest Texas Conference and New Mexico Conference of the United Methodist Church. So I'm assuming they will have to decide what kind of wording that they'll want after, right. after I, and that. And I think you're right. Um, I think they will have, the Board of Trustees will have to make that decision, I, and I have no idea. Uh, Tori asked me the other day, and it's a perfectly legitimate question. She said, I, there she is. She said, I get, I get scholarship money from the United Methodist Church. Will I still be a, eligible for scholarship money? 
I don't know. And I told her, I don't know. That's a great question. My guess is, it's kind of like Reed said a while ago, is a lot of this stuff is going to kind of stay the same for at least a few years. And then slowly they will start to decide what to do with those sorts of things. Um, so I, my assumption is all of these groups will have to figure out what affiliation they want to have themselves. Okay? That's the best I can do for you. Okay? Any other questions before we finish out here? Dustin. I've got one here, and then we can get you Peggy. How was it decided that one side would take the name to the other? That was part of the protocol. They sat down with that lawyer, and they decided all this sort of thing, and this was the compromise that they came up with. Peggy? She's, she's got your microphone. <laughs> Uh, I am the surviving spouse of a United Methodist pastor. I receive uh, uh, a retirement from my husband's 34 years of living in a parsonage and serving United Methodist churches. My livelihood, I feel like, is kind of up in the air, too, maybe along with yours. <laughs> I guess I just wanted to comment about it, okay. but uh, but that is a concern. I hope I can ease your fears a little bit because the pension is going to be continued to be maintained by the West Path, and so everything I'm seeing from West Path is you're going to be okay. Okay. All right. Well, hopefully, thank you. <laughs> hopefully, they will do what they said they're going to do. But if if not, you let me know, and I'll go take care of them for you. All right. <laughs> We're not putting up with that. Nobody messes with Peggy. <laughs> Go ahead, Vern. What about apportionments? Is there going to be a refund? <laughs> no refunds. For either side? <laughs> no. Um, both groups will have to decide what they're going to do. Um, the new denomination claims that they're going to have a much slimmer apportionment list. I don't know how they can make that statement right now. You're always going to, as long as we, and just so everyone knows, we are an Episcopal form of a church, which means we have bishops, and that means that we as members of this church agree to pay for our bishop salaries and DS salaries. So as long as we remain Episcopal in that form, we will have some form of an apportionment. Um, they, that won't go away. Um, I, there's not going to be a refund. <laughs> you don't want a refund, yeah. I mean, those people need to get paid. Any other questions before we finish up here? Okay, Sam. Yes, uh, thank you so much. Um, how are the seminaries affiliated with the United Methodist Church? Is that uh, an affiliation with a conference or with the church overall? Uh, is it a more centralized affiliation? And what, um, what kind of decisions will they have to make? So you're getting a little bit over my pay grade on this thing. <laughs> my understanding is they, that they are all affiliated with an annual conference in some form or fashion. I think that Brad is exactly right, though, that they probably have this loose affiliation. Um, they will have to... My guess is they will have to decide whether or not they want to go United Methodist or do something else. Um, from what I'm seeing, the, the, Meth, the United Methodist seminaries will probably stay United Methodist. There, there's one that may not. Um, a lot of you probably know that 
the, there's two basic seminaries that people from this annual conference graduate from. One is uh, Perkins, which is a United Methodist Seminary. The other is Asbury, which is not a United Methodist Seminary. Asbury has always been its own. Uh, they, they don't, they're not affiliated with any church necessarily, so they won't have to make a decision. Um, now, the new denominations will have to decide whether they'll accept um, pastors from those, you know, the degrees um, from those seminaries or not, and, you know, they, they'll be up to the new denomination, okay? Anything else? Yes, ma'am. With the three different splits, do they each have their own conferences then, or will they still meet together as one large conference? They will, there, be t there will be two Completely different denominations. Separate. They will not be meeting together. Anything else? Okay, before we leave, if, any, if no one else has anything else, I, I am requesting that Aldersgate um, kind of make uh, a particular hymn our theme song. So I'm going to invite Daniel and David and Tori, are you helping now? I'm going to ask them to come up. We're going to sing the full song tonight um, before we leave out here. And then starting four weeks before, um, before General Conference, we're going to sing just the verse uh, or just the uh, chorus of this particular song during our pastoral prayer time um, because no matter what happens, God is in control. He's going to continue to be in control regardless of what happens with the United Methodist Church or anyone else. Um, and regardless of what happens, it is well with my soul. <laughs>